0: Snap production. Market. The SP. The ISX stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Full Money. It's our relatively ordinary, not very interesting. Oh no, I'm kidding. It's our very special Sunday mailbag edition. You thought I was gonna change. I'm not gonna change, cuz why would I? It is so special. It is so very Sunday. And he is so Andrew Page. G'day, mate. How are you? I am. I am very Andrew Page. You are. I'm you good. are the most Andrew Page of Andrew Pages that I know, which is the same <laughs> in of, of all the multiverse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, into well, let good to that. In a parallel universe somewhere else, you are not Andrew Page or somebody else, or maybe Andrew Page is somebody else. That's a whole different thing, isn't
1: it? There's a lot of a lot of multiverse movies coming out at the moment, actually, which I, I as a in, in as which, a physics geek, which I am quite excited about. Wow, exactly.
0: Yes, yes, indeed. Let's move on. I am Scott Phillips. Of course, he is Andrew Page. This is Motley Full Money. And on Sunday, we dive into our mailbag and we answer questions that have been brought to us from you because that's just fun and hopefully it means we're answering questions, talking about topics that you find interesting. We will desperately – I will try and keep Andrew away from um, the the, the, the B word. Uh, He will try and keep me away from other stuff that I rant about. And together – we will hopefully entertain you for the next 45 minutes or an hour or so. Mate, let's get straight into 40, it. 45 <laughs> minutes. Who are you kidding? <laughs> oh, I like to... I'm, if I say an hour up front, people are going, to, I'm not listening to that. If I say 45 minutes, <laughs> oh, maybe they'll change. I'll, I'll listen just in case. <laughs> It'll be an hour. <laughs> Hi, Scott and Ram, says Travis. Novice question here and a disclaimer that I'm a member of the Motley Fool Share Advisor Service and my question will reference this month's recommendation. We won't talk about that specifically, but thank you. I think because it's a bit new, Travis, but, but thank you. He says... Um, uh, okay, maybe could, okay, I'll, I'll take it much to the beginning. He just says, so some advice on historical chart reading. This is uh, We asked to talk about this about WebJet a while ago. Some stocks might look like they are cheap compared to old prices, but they actually aren't due to other factors as mentioned earlier, e.g. share buybacks, et cetera. But how can you know? Can you please school me on that? Full on, Travis. Now, Ren, this is an important one. We've talked about WebJet and we've talked about the fact that per sh- the share price looks like it's half of what it used to be but there's twice as many shares. You don't get that looking at a share price chart. The other one I'll Mm. mention is dividends. When you think about the total return from a company over time, the old share prices from then to now give you some sense of the return and sometimes it's the only return if there's no dividends. But the return of a company um, is is meaningful. The third example I'll give this week, do you know Tabcorp fell 80% on Tuesday? Oh, my goodness. It fell 80% on Tuesday because it spun out a business called the Lottery Corporation which was about 80% of the value of the combined entity. So now there are two businesses: there's Tabcorp and the Lottery Corporation. Shareholders got one share of each, and yet if you just looked at your Tabcorp shares and had a <laughs> had a heart attack, I don't blame you. But that's the sort of thing that can happen. I I'm going to say upfront, mate, I'm going to I'm going to throw this straight to you because I don't know a good, a simple, easy, obvious way of being able to track that. Because in in three years' time, I'm going to look back at Tabcorp and go, man, the five-year share price share price looks terrible. And I might mm. possibly, hopefully, remember there was a spin-off, but I probably won't. Um, and if you're doing a screen using using some of those tools that are available, either paid or free on the internet, and saying, show me stocks that are down a lot over the past five years, you'll pick that up. Um, again, WebJet I talked about, the share price. Looks like it's got miles of upside because, hey, when business is back to normal, look how much growth there is left. But the share count's doubled, so it's got to it's be twice as good to get back to the old share price. Is there a simple, easy, clever... Uh, way again, dividends. I mentioned of of getting through some of this stuff and finding kind of, I always had the right historical prices, but putting historical returns in context. No, there's not. There's no easy way of doing it. Okay. Um, everyone wants an easy way of doing <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And
1: and if the trouble here's the irony, you don't actually want an easy way because uh-huh. if there was an easy way, everyone would be doing <laughs> it, and there'd be no informational <laughs> right. advantage that you could gain. Yeah, you want things to be hard. You want things to be uh-huh. opaque. You want there to be reward for the person who turns over the most rocks and does the most work, yeah. because if we all had brilliant, perfectly <laughs> accurate information, we yeah. would all get the kinds of return, returns that people get in term
0: deposits. Yeah.
1: So I'm, I'm, I'm actually saying no. There is no easy way, and isn't that a beautiful? I'll be glad. Thing? Okay. And 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 I'll, I actually think that. People put way too much emphasis on screeners and charts and the rest of it. Now, this okay. is—I always get in trouble because it's contentious and, and people <laughs> have very firm <laughs> views. Yeah. And I used to be—I used to be quite a militant person in my youth. Where I go, yeah, no, 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 this is how you need to think about it. Yeah. Nah, 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 whatever yeah. I, you do, you I'll do me, and we'll all be happy. You know, there's more than okay. one way. You're just going to skin a cat. I recognise that, and I—I I don't purport to have all the answers, and that my way is the right way. So I'll just—I'll get that out of the way. Um, that being said, screeners, are, I think. At best, at best, maybe a, a useful first step. Mm. So that's that's where I say, and there's all these software packages out there that go, look what you can do, you know, so mm-hmm. show me every company that's had rising revenue for the last three years and has a yield above this and I can put all these filters in and it'll take 2,000-odd companies on the ASX and it'll spit out a list. All right. And isn't that great? Because it would have been really, really, really hard to do that manually. And that's true, that's true. The trouble with it is, is you get heaps of false positives and heaps of uh, false negatives as well. So you get yeah. things that should be included but won't because of some peculiarity. Maybe right. there was a spin-off, like as you just said. Mm. Company I own shares in Ava Risk Group, uh, they paid a massive special dividend recently and did a capital return as well. So the share price chart
0: fell off. Oh, then, oh right, of my course. God, that's Can't terrible. That. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah. And yep. I was like, actually,
1: yep. no, no. Um, it's so so it, they, mm. it's really, it's really really tricky. This company, there's another company I own. I do not mention it because it's so small. <laughs> one dollars one trade could make it mm, move a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it just, it, it, they've sold off a big uh, offshore uh, a division. Mm. Um, they've bolted on some other things. It's just really messy. Mm. And so that the numbers just don't make any sense. I'm not even talking about the share price chart. I'm talking about the actual financials. They're all over the shop. It just it doesn't make any sense unless you know the story and the context to put all of that in. Right. So there's no easy way of doing it. And yeah. Uh, and long may that be the case.
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. It's, uh, yes, I, I can't have much more to that man. other than it's, it's, it's a useful conversation to have. Um, the, the other thing to think about is, is share splits. Um, just being mindful that if the share split, most, most charts will actually show those splits but that might be a very different thing to what you might see quoted. And, and Travis references the recommendation and saying, actually, um, the, the price and recommendation was this, now it's that. Uh, turns out this particular company he's talked about has had, has had a 10 for one split. So the price is now a 10th of what it used to be, but there's 10 times more shares, which means there's no actual change. I, I, I hate splits as a matter of course, um, only because it suggests that management aren't concentrating on the right things. Um, but that's mm. often what can happen as well. So be careful of share splits. You'll see that in the charts. If you, if you pick up the chart now, have a look, that's fine. Uh, but if you know you bought shares for a certain price or you heard were a certain price look cheaper now, just be careful. Uh, they're not necessarily cheaper. Um, again, the chart will show that if you look for it. But if you knew that Apple was whatever price and then it's done a 10-for-1 split, uh, don't be fooled into thinking that all of a sudden the shares are dirt cheap because they're lower. Um, easy to do, but, uh, but a big mistake to make.
1: Can um, I make a, just a quick comment yes, on that? It's another please. little bugbear of mine. We all use this language. Uh, for very uh, understandable reasons, but it's mm-hmm. wrong. We say cheaper when a price is l- what we, what we need to say is lower. <laughs> yeah, say right. lower or say higher. Yep. Don't say cheaper. Yep. Yep. Share price can drop in half. In fact, without any adjustment, like just legitimately drop in half and be more expensive. Yes, you know correct. if I've got a stock that's sucks at, more. It's at yep. ten dollars and then like just realize that they've actually been you know you're about to go to all about to go to jail yep. for something horrible and like it, it could machine, be yeah. it could be ten times more expensive. So. The, yep. the right word is lower and higher.
0: <laughs> Correct. And when we say, oh, Woolworths shares are worth this and we say, well, that's that we, and then we t- tell them people the price. Same, same problem, right? I hate yes. that. Oh, Woolworths yes. is worth uh, $20 billion in the ASX. No, 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 it's selling for that price. doesn't yes. mean it's worth that. It probably is yep. worth that, but it might be worth more Maybe. or less. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yep. Question from Ram. He says, hi, Scott and Andrew. I'm a huge follower of your podcast. I'm sure if that means he's personally huge or does he really likes the podcast. Either way, he's a huge follower of our podcast. He looks forward to our podcast every weekend. It enhances my biking experience, says Ram. I f- Ram, by the way. I feel refreshed Ooh. due to physical exercise and enlightened. Refreshingly simple perspective to economic jargon. Oh, Ram. Especially I love it when Andrew says, I don't know and it depends. Which is just as well because, frankly, that is uh, – you reckon I mentioned some electronics business uh, – e-commerce business way too often. Uh, I'm, if you're playing a drinking game with I Don't Know what It Depends, uh, I, I very much doubt anyone – those people don't realise it's an hour-long podcast, Ram. Put it that way. They've gone well and truly uh, before that point. Ram says, I've been listening – the other Ram – I've been listening to your podcast for the last six months now. I have never heard you mention investment opportunities in India. I guess our investors are missing out on a huge opportunity here in a market of a billion-plus people, Western-style democracy – Rule of law, unlike neighbouring countries, in brackets, you know who I mean, close brackets. For your information, for the calendar year 2021, India was the best-performing market. Not sure whether it was in dollar terms or local currency, says Ram. Would love to hear you guys, your guys' thoughts about the Indian markets. Full, mm. uh, full on from a new fool, Ram. So Ram, what do you think of Ram's comments? Are we missing a massive trick by ignoring India? Potentially.
1: Um, here's the great thing <laughs> about...
0: Um, oh, it should say it depends, surely. Yeah, yeah, to fan. I gave you the opportunity. Go on.
1: Guys. I was trying to think of the quote. There's this like um, <laughs> uncertainty is a, is uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. but certainty is absurd, or something like that. No, I like that. like Socrates that or someone like that. And then probably JD Morgan, mate. Yeah, right. There's a few versions of it. I, right, I just right, kind right. of think the more certain someone is of something, the more I'm a little bit scared, to be honest. <laughs> um uh, that we are. We there is no shortage of opportunity in this world. Mm. So it would be really crazy of me to say no, don't invest in India, yeah. right? Because yeah. I, I guarantee you, mm. just even on a statistical argument, that there are some insanely attractive opportunities over there. Mm. There probably is in Mongolia too. There probably is in you know in Canada, New Zealand, Africa, everywhere. There, there's there's all this is the, the human enterprise. There's there's always good opportunity that's out there. So yeah, the answer to the question is yeah. We probably are missing some some tricks. I think, though, as an investor, you want to you want to go fishing where in an area or with a technique where you feel as though you've got some edge over the, the competition. So right. the other investors in the space. So do I invest in India? No, I don't. Not because there's no great opportunities, because mm. I'm unfamiliar with the uh, the the economy there. The just the general culture, the the nuance that every any local geography and country has. I, I'm 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 at a I'm actually at a huge disadvantage because there's yeah. a whole bunch of yeah. really really smart local Indians who know four hundred times as much <laughs> as me um, in that mm. market, and I I don't want to go play poker with with those guys or girls. I, I I want to I want to play in my backyard with with people who I feel as though I've got an edge over.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that, that's that's the way I look at it. And and the, and the other thing is as well. I've often said it would be a difference if, if, if there was like three investment opportunities available to me on the ASX. Mm. Different story. Okay. Let's let's start looking further afield because I just I just don't have the opportunities. I see. I've got thousands of opportunities here. I've got more opportunities. We were talking off air before. It's like oh, it's so hard to find. You know, there's just so much stuff to go through, right? It's 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 I'm spoilt for choice. Yeah. So th- there's just a, another reason as to why. Um, I just – I'm happy to stay stay in my own backyard.
0: Yeah, I, I'll, I'll actually answer the same question almost the same way, opposite way but saying the same thing, which is, um, yes, almost certainly missing out an opportunity, almost by definition, uh, for exactly the reason that, that Ram says, um, but without the ability to actually know where to invest, again, which is also what you said, Ram. So, um, you know, I – I'm a big fan. Of it. So I invest internationally for similar-ish reasons, which is to believe that all the best ideas to be found in the ASX. Given it's two percent of the world stock markets, would be crazy. If anyone actually said, no, 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 I actually objectively think there's no better place to, to invest in the ASX. Objectively, that would be you know there might be the single best company, or maybe even the best market overall mm-hmm. in, in different periods of time. But very, very unlikely. You can fill a portfolio with your best ten ideas, and that objectively they are the best ten companies to invest in globally. So mm. I invest in the US. Mm. But the US is similar-ish enough and most of those companies are global enough for me to have a good view. on. exactly to your point, mate, uh, why could you ram for the purpose of this question to avoid confusing our listeners? Um, to, to, to exactly your point, I think I don't have any clue. I, in fact, I've, I've said before on the podcast, I reckon I don't know if I've actually ever said a number, I tend to vary on this one, but if you think about the, the biggest 20 businesses, biggest 20 companies in, say, 15 years' time, I'm pretty sure that a good, a very decent-sized minority will be Indian or, and or Chinese businesses, Given the population, given the rapid growth of those economies, given their sheer reach, American companies that go global, even reach as many people have to go global just to get that many people in the first place. A chinese Indian company just at home is going to reach a billion-plus people. And then if it can go international, it's on a massive, massive, massive um, momentum before it even even, leaves the the shores of the particular country. So I am absolutely sure there are great investment opportunities to come in India. But like you, I don't know what they are. Uh, I own shares in the Asian Tigers ETF in part because or units. Uh, specifically in part because I don't know what they are. I don't really want to buy individual companies, but I think that's true, and that's exactly part of why I have a very small portion of my portfolio in that Asian Tigers ETF because I'm actually following that that idea. Uh, and if the bigger ones become bigger and they're in that ETF, then I'll probably get some updraft from that. So there's there's some diversification uh, and and kind of just exposure opportunity there. and That's why I buy that ETF. But nice. um, do I know those companies? No, and so uh, Ram, I think your question is the right one, uh, and there absolutely is. If you are Indian by by background, and you may be, um, then you may have insights into that market. You should absolutely follow up on. Uh, but I wouldn't, frankly. Um, if if you had a an Indian uh, podcast talking about Australian stocks from two blokes in India who'd never been to Australia, didn't know the culture, didn't know the companies, didn't know the people, and trying to tell you better than we could tell you. You probably should have a bit of a question mark over it, which is Ram's point, right? The reverse is also true. If I'm going to invest in, in India and I, have, I try and think or try and work out what might happen, I don't know the cultural differences, the language differences, the geographic differences, the whatever other differences might be there uh, to get to the point of knowing that well enough to invest, it would just take me a very, very, very long time. I still wouldn't be sure because I'm not, I'm not living there. I don't have that as a background or a culture. Um, so I'd, I'd be at a disadvantage to start with. So, yeah, I think, yes, we are missing opportunities for sure, almost guaranteed. Uh, but I'm not the right person to try and find them, uh, and Ram is neither to his own his own uh, his own point.
1: It was Voltaire, by the way. Doubt it was Voltaire. Is
0: uncom- Doubt is
1: uncomfortable. Certainty is ridiculous.
0: I have also, by the way, oh that's interesting, because I've got a different uh, translation of that quote. I, I looked up um, certainty is absurd. I found uncertainty is an uncomfortable position, but certainty is an absurd one. Yes, Is, it, is I it like
1: when I googled it's like a, a lot of uh, people have said it in a lot of different ways over the
0: over the millennia. Mm-hmm. Must, have, be something, uh, must,
1: be some, must be some truth in it.
0: <laughs> I have um, tweeted that and given you credit for bringing it to my attention. So nice. There you go. You'll get some You'll get some thoughts. Uh, now, Ram actually has a second question. And I'm going to ask them back to back. We try and move it around, but this is a very different question, but also a really good one. I, I thought a very different part of investing. Hi, Andrew Scott. Maybe you can include this question in your next mailbag. Nowadays, there are a lot of new brokerage services which offer very low brokerage or zero brokerage. Uh, he's, there's, he mentions uh, what have we got here? Um, Superhero shares, these pearl uh, um, stake, uh, millions of them. Uh, Vanguard Auto Investor investing in managed fund fortnightly. Mumu for investing in shares. Never heard of that. As their exchange rate seems to be superior and brokerage is again low. I find this to be cumbersome, and I would like to stick to one ideally. But I'm a bargain hunter, and I can't resist the temptation of low brokerage. But I'm a long-term investor. My worry is. Are these new players putting out low brokerage just to attract the market, and then they'll put up the rates once they get us? Does this all really matter in the long term? Should I just forget all about them and just stick to one brokerage to avoid confusion and keep it simple? Regards, New Fool Ram. Mm. Um, so again, we, don't, we generally try and spread the questions around, uh, but I just thought these two were sent through us independently, individually, but but good questions. Um, it's a good question, mate. I again, I'm I'm. I like RAM fluctuate backwards and forwards on this one. Uh, putting money in the pockets of people who don't do anything for it is kind of sticks in my craw. On the other hand, I buy and sell so bloody infrequently that I'm kind of like, ah, oh, you know, if I could say five bucks a trade, and I did ten trades a year. Is fifty bucks worth something? Yeah. Is it worth changing brokers every year when someone else has a better deal? Not really. Um, full disclosure: I use Comsec, have for millions of years, ever since they bought out TD Waterhouse back in the day to Meritrade. Um, so that's a million years ago, and I also have a, a, a small Perler account, uh, and I find them very good. So, um, not very different brokerages by the way. I think Perler's brokerage is like six bucks a trade these days. Comsec still charging me twenty bucks. Um, I don't have a. I use Perler's auto invest feature. Um, I don't have a. Uh, I don't have a. You know, there's not a choice between the uh, one or the other. Just I started using Perla to try it out, so I'm just, just continuing to use the auto invest feature um, for my for my normal. Investing, I still use Comsec because it's just there. It works and it's not worth my time, effort, and energy to change. What do you think, mate? Is it, do you chase the, should you chase the lowest brokerage? Should you worry about having too many brokerage accounts? Uh, are we just getting sucked in and they're going to put the price up on us eventually anyway? How would you think about choosing and then sticking with or not a, a broker?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think the industry there is in what they call a race to the bottom. Um, yes, yes. So you actually look at the US, this, it doesn't. it's free now to trade. Yeah. Right? Um, so they make their money by trying to offer other features. <laughs> uh, they can make money by sort of lending out script to short sellers. They can, there's all or these other kinds other things. of things. Yep. Yeah, selling other things and the rest yep, of it. Yep. So we actually, it's Strawman, we interviewed um, uh, Kath Whitaker uh, from Self Wealth. Oh, okay. And, yeah, so they they used to be they they won a lot of market share. They did really well during the pandemic because um, right. they had the lowest brokerage. And then, mm. you know, that momentum has really stalled because other people have come in and said, it, I'm reminded <laughs> of Jeff Bezos is saying, which your margin is my opportunity. Yes. So forever in a day, there was Comsec and there was E-Trade and they said, we're going to do 20 bucks a trade. Mm. And someone's mm. and then we'll make a margin on that. And yeah. someone said, well, yeah. I could offer 15 bucks and I'm still making a margin. So I'll mm. do that. And I'm starting from zero. So it's all upside mm. for me. Yep. And then it went to 12 and then it went to 10. And then it, now it's you can get some that will do it for you for five, and I feel as though that trend is actually under. So I actually think there is very limited ability for them to ever increase the price. I think the structural mm. change in the industry will be such that we are we can get used to having um, yeah very low low brokerage. Mm. Uh, there's a, you know on one hand it's so great. The, the great thing about low cost brokerage is that it's just opened up. The share market to everyone. Yep. The downside of it is it's opened up the share market to everyone, mm. um, in, in the sense in the sense that it's kind of like it, you've made this point before, which I'm going to blatantly steal, which is it's <laughs> actually good to have a bit of friction. Yeah, um, I completely agree. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it forces you to think a bit more about yep. it yep. when there's no cause. Oh, I'll flick here, I'll flick there, I'll do this, I'll do that, and it's just kind of you find you trend more towards a speculator slash trader mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. than an investor. Yep. Um, having look, having said all of that, absolutely, if you're looking today to set up a, a brokering account, like shop around, get, get get the best deal that you can. Would never argue against that. Um, I would make sure that the shares are held through a a, a chess um, structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I important. Think, I think that's important because. No Yep. You have the ownership. Some, some of them won't. Some of them yep. will, it'll be a little bit different. Yep. Um, but I'm, I'm, look, I use ComSec too. And I'm, I am I don't have any affiliation with them. I shouldn't. I don't think they're that great. So, mm. you know, sorry, ComSec, but I, <laughs> I, I opened one up. because you that sponsorship um, opportunity. A hundred years ago. And I'm just lazy <laughs> yeah. to change. And yeah. I'm like, human. I Fine. very, very rarely tra- trade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, should I? Probably. Am I going to? Probably, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> you know? But yeah. I, I don't know. Look, of all the things that are going to, look, when you look mm-hmm. back in the the future mm. of, of the decisions that you made, mm. your choice of broker is not going to be the one that moves <laughs> the dial. <laughs> That's right. What moves the dial is the Such investments that you made, right? Such a good so, point. You, yeah. be- yeah. better, better to pick like a really wonderful company on a broker that charges you $200 a trade <laughs> mm. than to pick a really terrible company on a broker that charges you $1 a trade. It's, yeah, they, yeah. They, we, we, they're, they're good questions. <laughs> so, I'm not making fun of them. But mm. at the end of the day, it's like you've got to focus on the big things. And this is not a big thing
0: for my, for my mind. Yeah, I, I actually completely agree. Um, I, so a couple of things, mate. I, I'm going to add to that. Um, don't just buy on price, particularly if you're going to stick with your broker. Um, make sure you look at other things as well. Part of what keeps me at ComSec is I mean, you say it's not a good RAM. I I, I kind of agree, but also it's actually pretty good. Like I'm, I'm really happy. But, oh, you know, look, it does you know, what you know, it very, says on I'm very, the I'm, team. Yeah, I'm very satisfied yeah. with it. I, I'm not I'm not raving about saying oh you got to try. It. It's fantastic. But it's like does anything I need it to do. I know the website. The customer service has been okay, if sometimes a little bit slow on the phone. But like. You know, I feel good about it. I don't feel like they're going to go anywhere anytime soon. It just suits me. It, it just, it, it suits me to have some extra features, pay a little bit more because that's just where I am. Mm. Would I sign up to them today if I was saying from scratch? Probably not. Um, I find others that are as good and cheaper so would I go with somewhere else you know I I said I'm really liking Perla Um, I've I've, full disclosure I've done some work with Sharesies Uh, I spoke at their one of their events a couple of weeks ago they seem really good they seem fine and again no no issues with any of them Um, I'm going to say a couple of things quickly firstly to Matt Ram's point as the price goes to zero think about what you are giving them in return for that are you getting screwed on the foreign exchange are you being sold something else Uh, you know the old story is is if you know um, if you're not paying for it then you're the product Right? So you're being sold to somebody else in some other way. Maybe the bank's cross-selling you something else. Maybe they're using your data. Maybe they're whatever. Right? Maybe they're going to try and sell you whatever it is. Just be careful of that. Um, mm. Also, for what it's worth, um, just be thoughtful about you know if this if the sheer plethora of these ends up consolidating at some point, you may or may not end up liking what you end up with. And that's not necessarily you can't know what the future is going to bring, but just be mindful that I don't think they're going to have this many brokers forever. So be careful of that. Um, be really careful of a cheap broker who then t- – Take so again, takes you down a merry path of trying to get you to overtrade, right? The whole you know, try this brokerage account, it's great, and you try it, and then all of a sudden you're being pitched, you know, buy this ETF, take a, take a position, sell this, buy this, sell this, buy this, trading ideas, new ideas, all that kind of stuff. They're all going to do it to you. Almost all of them going to do it to you because they're trying to make money on the trades. So the more you trade, the better for them, maybe mm. possibly. Um, so be really careful of that. Don't don't um, don't sell your long term. Uh, perspective to save a few dollars in brokerage. Don't don't let them get under your skin. It's kind of my my general. Does that make sense, Ram? Like you know, yeah, don't yeah, don't, yeah. don't go and choose a broker that's cheap, but ends up in, uh, incentivizing you to make bad decisions because that's more expensive than the brokerage. Yep. So and Ram says you know. So if you can, if you can stick to your, if you stick to your guns, if you can genuinely stick to your guns, then go with the cheapest one for sure, as long as it has the features you're looking for and you feel confident. Please, for the love of God, be just sponsored. Um, there is no reason not to. I would pay double brokerage if I get chess sponsorship personally. Um, it's just it's the cheapest insurance in the world. Maybe it's never needed. Like all insurance, it's expensive when you buy it. It's super cheap when you use it. Um, don't yep. get yourself in that position. We've seen plenty of brokers go broke and take their take their people with them. All right, moving on, mate. This one's from Kate. Uh, less of a question, more of a comment. But I love it. I'm going to share it because I love it. Uh, Kate says, "El Capitan and El Ram." I like that. <laughs> Love the pod. I don't ever miss an episode. Thanks, Kate. Best way I could ever imagine to spend my free time. I can't believe it's free. Well, if you want to pay us, Kate, Ah, okay. that's how we yeah. get you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you broke us. <laughs> oh, people would pay for this. Just a bit of feedback for you guys, says Kate. Thank you for giving me the confidence to let my portfolio lie during these crazy times. I get my share site, price change notifications, and I think, no, it's okay. I don't even check it. I'm happy with my portfolio construction. I'm a long-term investor. It will be okay. P.S. OMG. How good is Site? I love it. My accountant loves it too. And then it says in brackets, <laughs> insert straw man four month free partnership plug. I'm <laughs> Kate, Kate, maybe maybe Kate Page. I'm not sure. Given the comments <laughs> and, the, and the straw man plug. The more I check, she says, the more I think, oh my God, why aren't I taking action? I'm losing money. The less I check, the more I think, yeah, it's okay. I'm in my early 40s. This is just a correction and I'm going to be fine long-term. Scott and Andrew have been through many of these. It's okay. Don't stress, Kate. Thank you guys for drilling into me the confidence to A, not freak out, B, not take action based on fear, and C, keep buying because hey, a gal loves a sale. Forever <laughs> grateful and forever an avid consumer of your wisdom, Kate. And That's I don't know, awesome. mate, like, yes, it's giving us a wrap and, you know, we've got ego, so I don't mind it at all. Uh, I want to say thank you to Kate for sending that in. I wanted to share it, mate, because we can talk to people and sometimes we can talk at people and hopefully we're relatable enough and interesting enough and. I was gonna say wise enough, but I won't stretch the. Uh, <laughs> I won't so stretch don't it. Don't push your luck. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, not not too stupid. Um, to to help people along, but I I hope. Uh, firstly, thank you, I really really appreciate it. I hope Kate's experience uh, helps other listeners uh, who are going through similar things. Despite what we're saying, here's another another listener who's in the same boat as the rest of us saying, "Hey, I get it. I'm gonna stick it out, and it's worth it." So, thank you, Kate. Really really appreciate the, the comment, mate. That's awesome. Sam says, "G'day, Scott and Ramp. Oh, sorry, do you have some f- feedback on that?
1: I I, look, there's as always, there's a um, it depends. (laughs) No, it's it's (laughs) it's great that there there is, so it's it's exactly the right mindset. Um, I I think just what the the, you need to layer onto that is that while that is 100% well, while that is mostly true, there are situations (laughs) where it's not true. And and I've I've fallen victim to this. He's wrecking, um, Kate. I'm sorry, myself. Well, (laughs) it's 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 having that attitude when the thesis is clearly broken. So, mm. so it, yep. being being immune to the, the the volatility of the market and the craziness of the market. When when mm. and, and Kate made this point. I'm really. She said she's really happy with the, the company she had, so she's not making this mistake. Yes. But I have heard other people say, "Oh, it's okay. I am down ninety percent, but it's okay. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to panic." And, and <laughs> this is, you know, but it's a company yeah, that's just yeah. going not not, yeah. not not like this is not a matter of opinion. It's just sort of like they're just in a lot of trouble. Mm. They might, may even be facing existential kind. Of dilemmas, yeah, and and then then people say, oh well, I'm already down ninety percent, so what does it matter anyway? And all of this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's it, it's not. I just want to layer onto that before anyone else writes in and says, aha, but what about no? <laughs> if 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 the if the if you bought a share for a particular kind of reasoning yep. and thinking, yep. and that has that is no longer holding water, or you've just lost conviction, or, or there's mm-hmm. no confidence in that view anymore, it's yep. absolutely the right thing to sell and sell, you know, decisively and quickly. Yeah. Um,
0: that's, I just wanted to add that point. No, like I it's, it's a very fair point and a very good point. As you say, Kate's not making that point. Um, but no, yes, just no. because something's down. It's like I say about the market all the time. you know, The market has always gone up over time. It doesn't mean every stock will go up over time. So there's, there's a difference between there. There's a reason to be confident in the direction of the market, direction of capitalism. Not every company will survive or thrive. And, and Actually, most don't. There. Statistically, most yeah, don't. Yeah. You know? Fingers crossed we've got the right ones. G'day, Scott and Rampage, says Sam. I have a macro question for you, mainly because I find macro fascinating, but also so I can save Scott having to talk about Kogan again. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> Drink. Drink. Oh, God. Thanks, Sam. I'd like to hear your two cents on why you think the Australian economy is so hot right now. He didn't say it that way. I just thought it was, yeah, well, so hot right now. So, <laughs> so hot right now. In, I, I can't get away with it, can I? In particular, with a headline figure of 3.9% unemployment being the lowest in 40 years, the resource sector is fairly obvious one with sky-high prices, but still in aggregate. We have so many other sectors still ravaged by COVID. All the government stimulus is largely finished. Bond yields are back up above pre-COVID levels, making the still low cash rate largely redundant in terms of business Mm. stimulus. Supply chain carnage continues and inflation and labour shortages both remain a huge concern. So again, why do you think things are so hot when all this uncertainty remains? Weren't things better pre-COVID? Cheers, Sam. Love this question, mm, mate, because I've not ever actually turned my mind to it previously. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to give you some time to think? No, you, you go first. Yep. All right, um, Sam. I think it's a combination of a whole lot of things. I think it's a combination of what was already a trend. So, if you actually take COVID out, um, things economies grow over time. So, when you go back to and cyclical things like unemployment, will continue to move regardless. I would almost draw a straight line through COVID, not as a straight line as in a horizontal line, but a straight line from where we were going trajectory-wise to where we are now. In other words, the things that were already in play will continue in play once we get over the problem. So that's the first thing. We were seeing falling unemployment over time. Uh, I think the COVID stimulus, frankly, just helped. I think part of that is genuinely that. So the economy is cyclical, cyclical, cyclical. Uh, but it's also, they talk about the multiplier effect. And Andrew, you've said before your line is great that someone's spending is someone else's income. Now, if you have a massive government stimulus at some point, uh, that is, and frankly, let's be honest, it put the... It actually increased household incomes, increased them. Didn't make them whole, actually increased them. So arguably, in hindsight, it was too much. They spent too much money. I think in hindsight, we can absolutely say that. But at the time, I think they were absolutely right. So um, we can have both a hindsight view of it could have been done better, but at the time, I thought it was done pretty bloody well. So household incomes actually went up higher than pre-COVID. And yes, that's dropped away, but the multiplier effect that creates still remains because the government spent the money so I spent the money. So Andrew got some work. So he spent some money. So someone else got some work. So they spent some money. And the economy works in virtuous and vicious cycles. And in this case, I think this is a this is a virtuous cycle just continuing on. So I think that's that's part of the story. I will say, I think the unanswered question is the role of immigration and temporary arrivals. Um, would the unemployment rate be higher if there were more people arriving in the country immigrating? Probably, maybe possibly. The other thing too, by the way, and this is one that I think we've mentioned on the podcast, I hope we have, um, Josh Frydenberg said this himself. The tourism in Australia, the tourism industry, or the tourism sector is a net exporter. Uh, sorry, net importer. Net importer. What that means is we spend more overseas when we go overseas than tourists spend here. So by closing the borders, it actually kept more money at home than if the borders were open. Now, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do or we should do it or any of that sort of stuff. I don't want to get into the ideological conversation. But net net, more money stayed at home because we take more overseas than tourists bring in here. Now, Obviously, individual businesses had a very different story. Queensland, Cairns really struggled. Outback New South Wales boomed because you couldn't leave the state or the country. And so there were winners and losers across the board. But net-net, we kept more money here by closing the borders. The the net result was a positive. So those are a few different things, mate. But I would say more broadly, the the biggest one is the first one I mentioned, which is I think the trajectory of the economy was already good. Um, Rates had been really low. People were really confident that multiplier effect of money being spent in the economy when we all felt really good and even coming out of COVID, we still feel really good because we're over COVID, thank God, let's get on with it. At least that's the view. I'm not saying we are over COVID, but that kind of, you know, we're over it, let's start spending, let's, let's, you know, live it up. Uh, I think that's true. I think that's what's actually happening. Uh, Also, uh, net household saving falling. So we're spending some of what we had saved. Add all that together, it makes sense there's more activity in the economy now than there was in 2019. So that's, in my mind, why it's improving. We will see. 2022 is going to be a tough year, in my view. Um, so we'll have to see what happens there, but that's my that's my take. Your take, Ram?
1: I think it's a really plausible narrative. Um, oh dear, plausible. And
0: that's not that's not the ringing endorsement I was looking for. Well, unfortunately, I guess it's, it's a, possible. He says.
1: I think that's about the best you can do when it comes to the macro, though, right? Yeah, because right, right. Uh, you know, I I I, I, do, I also find it fascinating, and I follow a lot of people, and huh. and you'll hear someone say, and you go, and you're nodding, and go, yep, that <laughs> that makes sense. And yeah. then someone else, equally credentialed, <laughs> equally smart, yeah, that's right. so arrives at a different conclusion. I would say but, equally smart, but, I but you know, it kind of like <laughs> takes you, like, yeah, that, that's yeah. A, that's an interesting narrative. You know, we're yeah. storytelling animals, uh, humans, mm-hmm. and True. and we 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 need to make sense of the world, and we wrap stories around them, and it's sort of like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but the, the trouble with macro is that it is it is um, aggregate level view of like a hundred thousand mm. chaotic things all wearing below the surface, mm. and it's just so difficult to predict. So even even when we look backwards factually at facts, mm. we can come up with different narratives, and then we've got to at some point push that forward, which is like fifty million times more difficult. Mm. So um, yeah, I, I think I think you can actually say on certain, on. And the other thing is like we, we when we when we're talking about the economy being you know good or yeah, or whatever, yeah, we we yeah. can point to certain statistics. but these sort of measure certain things. They're usually yeah, right. old by the time that they're printed. I <laughs> yeah, they don't measure everything, yeah. so yeah. unemployment, yeah, really low. Yeah. But oh, yeah. but actually, yeah. over here in tourism, it's actually really high. Or actually, youth yeah. unemployment is still really high. Or in regional unemployment, and youth, like there's a thousand mm. different mm. ways. Mm. I was listening to something on inflation the other day as well. It was like some hedonic index based on a basket of goods, and guess what? The basket mm-hmm. of goods changes definitions all the time. Then there's shrinkflation right. as well. So we used to have a packet of. Tim Tams in there. It's like, well, Tim Tams are a bit smaller now, but is that captured? It's 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 yeah. layers on layers, wheels within wheels, turtles on turtles, yep. all the way down, and it's kind of it's very 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 difficult to mm. kind of measure mm. it. Like, do mm. do we talk about monetary inflation, like the amount of dollars actually circulating mm. the economy, or 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 do we have a hedonic measure of a basket of goods? Well, you mm. you you put a basket of goods together you think is reasonable, got some toilet paper, some milk, some bread, some coffee, some things. Well, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to create a slightly different basket of goods, equally
0: reasoned, you know, but totally different and comes up with different You're not different going to things. tell me the economy is not going well, though, are you? You're not going to try and drag all this?
1: No, I'm not. I'm, well, well, bad. I'm saying – what I'm saying is let's say that that's my prejudice. Yep. I'll come up with you and, and let, let's let's – Let's have a challenge here. It's like mm-hmm. so: you're you're the affirmative; I'm the negative. We are going to have a debate on the economy. Mm-hmm. Now you'll go off and you'll find 100 indicators yeah. that support yeah. your view, and I'll go off and I'll find 100 indicators that support <laughs> mine. <my>, the indicators <laughs> so, are the indicator. So we're not true. making up the numbers, oh, right. right? Yes, yes, yes. But 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 we'll equally present plausible mm-hmm. things. This mm-hmm. is what's so diabolically difficult about it. Yeah, yeah. And it's why. So I mean, what? So so what's the what's the practical outcome of that? Does that mean you just throw your hands up in the air and go? Ah, it's all too hard. I mean, you. you I think what you do is mm. you recognize the difficulty in it. Mm. Um, I think you, for me, the much more interesting thing is the microeconomics. Okay. Um, that's I think it's much more scientific. I think when I'm a bottom-up investor, mm. um, and a bottom-up investor is someone who looks at the individual business yep. and it's sort of like, you know, you know I, it's like I ba- when the
0: economy is doing well and lithium's in demand, they're from our lithium stocks. You start with this yes. company is earning this much money doing this particular thing. It's trading at this sort of price. Do I think it's attractive?
1: Yep. I think this is a really nice, really attractive economics, high-quality management. I don't really know what the economy is going to do, but this yeah. is the kind of company that if it isn't so great, they'll probably be okay, and okay. if it is really good, that they'll do really, really well. So I'm kind of – I try to be agnostic in the sense that I want, I want to kind of own little parts of businesses that, that, that are, that are, that are going to be okay across the cycle – Right. Rather than having to try and pick where the cycle is at, then try mm-hmm. and pick which companies are most likely to do well in that part of the cycle and then time it and time it. you know it's just it's just really, really, really hard. and if that's your if that's your bag, then you know good, good for you. Mm-hmm. It's not mine. And I think mm-hmm. the first rule of investing is know thyself, mm-hmm. which I say often and and you you have to understand where your circle of competence is and where where you can possibly have an advantage. And for me, I just can't. I just can't do it mm-hmm. with with mm-hmm. macro, although i I am endlessly fascinated in it, and I certainly. <laughs> over a beer will will tell you exactly what I think. Mm. Um, I don't I hesitate usually publicly because I'm, I'm also very, very hyper aware that I'm probably wrong. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> I don't know what you make of all of that kind of stuff, but uh, – yeah, and and you could you be having a conversation with someone right now? I go. This is the toughest I've seen my thirty years on this planet. This is the toughest I've ever seen the economy. And someone else saying, "This is brilliant. This is, mm. the, the winds are in my sail. This is just mm. such a great time to be alive and participating in the economy. I've never seen it better." And both and both be correct.
0: It's hard. That's I a really would, unsatisfying answer. It, right it, now. It, no, it's 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 a it's a great answer. It's not, a, it's not an answer to the question that was asked though. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw just for the fun of it one more time. Why is the kind of economy doing so well, do you reckon? So let, let's assume it's all manageable and relative and justifiable and whatever, whatever. Do you accept the premise of the question to uh, to uh, misquote Julia Gillard? And if you do, why is the kind of economy doing so well despite what's going on?
1: Okay, so I'll give you an answer, but i just preface it again. I'm wrong, okay? <laughs> no. I, I, I might be wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that I'm wrong. Okay. But I would say we've had a huge amount of stimulus and, and mm. your multiplier effect is absolutely the right thing. So I think the economy is doing strong, but I would argue that the economy is probably more fragile than it was.
0: Um, there In are, terms of because of the activity or just because the next slump is closer by definition?
1: Uh, well, A, by definition. Like, you yeah. know, the further you go without a slump, the more like just by definition you're yeah. closer Plus to the, the next cares. one. Yep. Uh, no, that doesn't mean it's imminent. It could still be yeah. 20 years yeah. away. I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then but then I think, you know, I I, I worry a lot about the indebtedness of, of households. Mm. I You know, it just historically you when you look at sort of household debt to income levels etc we we're just like i think we're the top 3 in the world mm. and we have we have put all our eggs in a couple of baskets mm. so we're not we're not a when we, australian economy is houses and holes yep and we we have not we have not diversified as well as we could have or should have mm-hmm. we have we have invested very 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 aggressively into unproductive assets ie homes mm-hmm. um and again, it's not i'm not really I'm honestly, I'm not going towards a property crash. I, I'm not, but i'm just I'm just saying that if something was to go wrong, like a coronavirus or mm, something mm. out of left field or whatever it happens yeah. to be. Yeah. And now the government has, has, has borrowed so much. Interest rates are already so low. It's kind of like, well, what, what do we do next? We've only got one more trick up our sleeve, which mm. is the same, which is just like let's print a bunch of cash. Mm. And that, that is great. And we've seen how effective that can be, but there is a cost to doing that. And the cost is inflation. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah. So you got this, there's there's no silver bullet. And I think the danger of of the of the GFC and the, and COVID has governments have thought that actually we can for, for a long time governments were very nervous to print money. Because of all the all the old lessons from from the past, and we kind of did yeah. it for like ages, and no in, inflation. Just, just remember when it first started happening, and everyone was saying, "Oh, it's going to be inflation," and it, and it just didn't appear. And yeah. it, it didn't appear because it stayed out, out of Main Street, and it just yeah. just it stayed into the the assets. So anyone who's holding assets did insanely well, mm. um, where it just never trickled into the real economy. I feel as though it's sort of gotten into that sort of space now. And again, that's not the call for anything to happen. I, I just feel as though the economy seems fine, but it seems reasonably fragile. And now we're also going through a massive energy transition. Mm. We've got pretty serious geopolitical issues that are at play. The world's largest economy is the world's second and first largest economy is facing some real serious issues. It's just it's just a fragile state. And we maybe we'll muddle through it. Maybe we won't. Um, so I think you can say that the economy is overall, in aggregate, in a certain lens, pretty strong. But mm. it's also it's also more fragile than it was pre-COVID, and I'm wrong. I say all of that, and I, <laughs> and I know I'm wrong.
0: And I'm I like, like it, mate. I like it. I actually don't disagree with you massively. I think um, I think I think it's largely the right the right uh, way to look at it. I think particularly fragile is a funny word because it kind of implies a whole lot of stuff. Not that you you may be right in you much trying to apply. Um, I don't. I wouldn't use the word fragile necessarily. Um, just just to avoid that. But but I absolutely agree. There's I've I've I gave a presentation a week or so ago um, to the CPA New South Wales the accountants. And I I um, I title it the, the tightrope is thinning, mm. and it's just exactly that idea that we mm. are we are walking forward and the future is bright and we will get there and things will be better off in five and ten years they are today without a shadow of a doubt. I, there is nothing I know more uh, strongly or believe more strongly than that. But uh, in the meantime, uh, all of the things we talked about, the, the problem with being at really low unemployment is there's kind of only one direction to go. Same with interest rates, right? You kind of go. Mm, yeah. So if we're already there, is it going to go to three percent, two percent? Probably not. It's going to go to five percent. Well, more likely to go to five than three. So. Okay, same with interest rates. Zero point one or now zero point four. What is it? three five four five? Um, you know, I wouldn't be a politician. Would I? I get laughed at by the media for not knowing that number. Um, you know, <laughs> gotcha. it's, it's all it's exactly. It's all it's all those things. They're, they're going in the wrong. Well, there you go. I guess I would say they're going in the wrong direction. But they well, inevitably are going in the wrong direction. That's the that's the challenge of the economy in twenty twenty two.
1: And that multiplier effect works in reverse. So a few yep. people start struggling, yes, exactly. which means they spend less, which means like, it, yeah. gets, it, it, it goes both ways. And the reason it why does. we will never get rid of the economic cycle is because mm-hmm. of human nature. So yeah. we're never going to get rid of human nature. So we get we get greedy, then we get fearful, greedy mm-hmm. and fearful. And that, that is always the way. And yep. um, what I meant by fragile is probably more of a mathematical definition of, of fragile in the sense okay. that not that it's about to break or could break, okay. but just that if something does go... there. The, I, I would encourage the, the book um, Anti-Fragile um, mm. by mm. Taleb which is really yeah. sort of talks to this kind of point and and what I want oh. so just bring it back to a more practical level I want companies that are anti-fragile that you can kind yeah, of right. kick them and they just they, they're okay yeah. um, you know in fact they, they tend to be stronger the more you sort of shake them and there'll be there'll be certain companies out there you know, there's, yeah, mm. getting into the weeds a little bit here, but I don't want the business that only does well when everything's, when the sun is shining and there's no clouds <laughs> in the
0: sky. Yeah, that's You right. know,
1: that's what I don't want. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener.
0: Question from Adam. i speak of macro, mate. Here you go. I've got your policy brain switched on. Mm-hmm. Adam just says, hi, guys. You were both very heavy-handed. I think what means we were too harsh on the rhetoric for the housing policies released during the election campaign. So Adam says, "I think with a smile, but pay me with a scowl. Put your money where your mouth is. If you were PM, what would you do?" Thanks, Adam. Oh, I love oh. I love when I get to voice people's questions. I can make it sound I make it sound as, as strong or otherwise as I want. I can say, you know, put your money where your mouth is, you bastard. I can say that Adam might have just said, "Oh, look, we remind you so much to think." No, no, no. I, I'm, Adam, I'm I'm ramping up. I'm ramping up the aggravation here. Ram, put your money where your mouth is. If oh, being, what where would do I you do?
1: So What would you do? So many places. Okay, I would, I would grandfather negative gearing. I would limit, limit, limit negative gearing to only one investment property. I would massively strengthen tenant rights. Um, I would remove all kinds of unnecessary stimulants. I would stop people uh, being able to access their super. Just off the top of my head, a few things right there the, 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 the I, I would I would I would make big investments into public housing I would change mm-hmm. the legislation and regulations around new construction or like you know let's economics 101 supply and demand right let's let's bring mm-hmm. some more supply onto the market um yeah just just a few things off the top of my head like the, <laughs> the reality is the reality yes. is if you want to fix it, prices need to come down. That, that is the elephant in the room that no one wants to admit, right? Like that is just – it actually wouldn't affect as many people as we think. And I saw a great analysis during the week actually of this. So a third of people own their house outright. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if the market price goes down, actually doesn't make any difference to them really, right? They're okay. still living in their house. Makes no for renters, doesn't make any difference whatsoever. In fact, it's good, good for renters. Um, of the people that have a mortgage, if you look at what the banks have been saying recently, most people are ahead, right? So – they're okay. I mean, it's not, not what you want. I, I get that it's not what you want to see, but mm. you've still got the shelter that you paid for and you're not in any financial strife. Actually, when you do all the numbers, I think it was something like there's 8% of people who are in real trouble. Mm. And um, and maybe that's enough at the margin
0: to sort of I was going to say, mate, that, I mean, 8% of people who lose their jobs sex so unemployment from
1: 4% yeah.
0: to 12%. I mean, that, you know, we, that, would be a, that would be a full-blown catastrophe economically. Yeah. I think we yeah, might yeah. be treated as such.
1: Yep. Yep, I, and 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 this is where it gets really difficult because, mm. unfortunately, mm. some sometimes, what's it called, creative destruction, or something yep. like that. We you, you 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 need a bit of mm. A, mm. A, a a bushfire. Yep. You know, the the um, Indigenous Australians understood this well with mm-hmm. with land management. Right, mm-hmm. it's good. It's a cleansing, and we have we have wanted to avoid this for so long that all we've done is made things, as I said before, more and more and more and more Mm. fragile. Mm. So rather than having probably – and I'm not saying things needed to crash and we needed to destroy lives, but we had to stop blowing the bubble up further and further and further. Mm. The best outcome really would have been – you know, you could have made this argument five years ago. It's just like we just put policies where things weren't growing at 100% every three months, you know. But we did. We just made it – we we just like – whenever you're in a hole – the first thing you do is stop digging, stop digging. <laughs> right? And we found no. ourselves in a hole, and then we put it, we lowered a backhoe into it, right? It just so I, I, that that's where that's where it's crazy, and I, yeah, and I, yeah. I feel as though we want yep. we want to make sure that those who are in trouble, that we do whatever we can to look after mm-hmm. people as best we can. Yep. But for God's sake, stop digging and stop. And the, and the policies that have been announced by both both Labor and and Liberals were equally bad because all they did was 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 make things even more precarious and that's why yeah, they right. were wrong.
0: <sighs> ah, that was a short that? answer believe yeah. it or not. No, on. I like yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you so lucky, Adam. Um, I don't disagree with any of that stuff, Ram, with the exception that so I have to I have two thoughts. Well, I have a couple I I respond mostly to your thoughts actually because I don't think you might let me massively wrong. Um, I I think the impact I think we need to be careful about how we manage the impact of falling house prices if they fall, mm. uh, because even if, even if those people who are most impacted directly by it either deserve it or can bear it or it's just it's just okay because you know it just has to happen, the 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 multiplier we just talked about again. You mentioned already that the multiplier goes working backwards as well. Mm. Um, we would put brickies and uh, you know uh, retail workers and a whole lot of people out of work. Who are unrelated to the boom in and of itself, didn't cause it, didn't participate in it, didn't make it happen, and just kind of get swept up as collateral damage. And that bit I think is I, I would hate us. It's a bit like it's a bit like the car collapses in the US, right? When they bailed out the automakers. And everyone mm. said, Oh, they didn't deserve it. It's like, no, they didn't deserve it. But the, the the alternative was to put tens of thousands of Americans out of work. And so you go, okay, well, I've got to I've got to just kind of suck it up and go, you know what? This you know, this, this is undeserved, this is imperfect. I can either say "screw you, car shareholders" and put 40,000 Americans out of work, or I can say, "All right, fine, you don't deserve it, but I'm going to do this because there's a greater good at, at play." Mm. And I think to that point, I think managing that decline is is something we need to be really, really, really thoughtful for and and, and mindful of. Um, so, I and again, I'm not saying you're not saying this, but just as we think about how that happens, I don't have there's no you know no love lost for. Property investors, or share investors, or anyone else—you you take, your, you pay your money, you take your chances.
1: Mm.
0: But I really do worry about the fallout from that. And we saw during the GFC, the, the U.S. called it the Great Recession, when the subprime crisis broke, they didn't build new houses for four years because mm. there was a massive oversupply. And we won't have that problem. We haven't got a, We, haven't got we a don't have that problem. But, mm. but, but in terms of what I mean is the the the, the long-term impact of some of those shocks are, are massive. Um, mm. Housing effectively caused a recession there for years. And maybe, as you say, mate, maybe it's a cleansing. Um, but I also think that it's easy for us to say that. I'm not saying you're being flipping about it, but the the people it impacts are, are massive. So oh, yeah, I would yeah. I would be I would be keener to find a way to, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a, a pipe dream, but find a glide path that doesn't kill us on the way through. Right? Yes, I um, think that
1: that's, that is the best outcome. But that but that that's also going to change the shift. I mean, for people who just yeah. you know say things like property doubles every ten years or seven years or whatever it is, yeah. you know, it's yeah. kind of like well. Yep. Not necessarily. And in fact, <laughs> mathematically, it just doesn't yeah. work that way. So you, yeah. you, you kind of, there, there are people who have probably taken on it. And again, this will be at the fringe, but some people yep. have taken on a huge amount of debt on that speculation. Mm-hmm. And, it do, and I don't want to be flippant. There's lives, yeah. at, well, not live. well, livelihoods at stake. Livelihoods for sure, yeah. I, I, I do, I, it, if the stock market crashed tomorrow mm-hmm. and I went on to Current Affair and said, hey, you got to do a story. I lost half my money because I invested in crypto. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know this? How much sympathy do I? I get zero sympathy, mm, mm, mm. and and fair enough, right? Yep. Like yep. hundred hundred percent fair enough. It's like, well, Andrew, you yep. you you did some very very risky things, mm-hmm. and it and it and it didn't work out for you. And I, I'm sorry, but that mm-hmm. that's really that's kind of what risk and investing is all about. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Property's different though, it's it yep. has so much, so so it doesn't someone, need to be though.
0: To be fair, like, I, I don't think anyone's really saying we should stick up for the people with 42 houses and you know, the ones who are on current affair with the property price to go up saying what a genius I am,
1: yeah, I yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah but you what you watch, you watch the current affair shows when when if. Sure. Something happens. It's like, oh, you know, here's Bob. Bob had foreign investment. Now he's mm. living on the street. I'm well, Bob, what the <laughs> bloody hell were you thinking, mate? <laughs> well, actually, no, no, not Bob, not yeah. Bob. The banks. What the hell yeah. were you thinking? And this yeah. is this yeah. is the moral hazard that's at play, and we haven't learned our lesson. I mm. would yeah. I would argue mm. that um, people forget that yeah. you know, ANZ Westpac nearly failed in the nineties, right? Yep. Um, yeah, yep. yeah. Um, I think ANZ got. pretty. I was talking to someone at the ASA okay. conference. Actually, ANZ got really close as well. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't know because I was only three in the nineties. <laughs> I Wish, um, uh, uh, but still got it. But the but the the, the banks are going to lend. Yeah. with their ears pinned back because they you know worst case scenario they get bailed out I would actually sort of say I, I, I'm, I'm I've got to, I haven't thought this through so but I'm gonna
0: <laughs> but hey. I'm, not, I'm not gonna let that stop me
1: I'm not gonna let that stop me what what they have in America is mm. there's there's a recourse here in Australia right yeah Yep. So if if yep. everything goes really pear-shaped, the bank yep. can can follow me around for the rest of my days until it gets its money back. I'd almost be tempted to say, actually, the Americans have a better system where if I if I lend against, if I borrow to buy a house mm. and then mm. I've got negative, I can actually hand back mm. the keys and just walk away. Mm. I feel as though that would change the incentive structure and the dynamics around it, and banks might be a little bit more prudent. Mm. And I think it'd probably be good for the government to sort of say, well, you're an idiot, bank, major bank XYZ, mm. and sorry, you're out of business, right? Mm. And let's- yeah, systemically important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, I'll call that bluff any day of the week because I'm sure someone will come in and fill that void. And we almost need that fear. We need that existential threat to in- enforce some, some, some better lending discipline that, 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 that is probably sorely needed. Oh, the other thing I would do too in terms of the, the question, <laughs> I, I, would, I, would, I would make APRA uh, introduce some, some serious macro prudential
0: controls. Yeah, I would too.
1: Anyway, there's, there's a so there's a whole bunch of thought bubbles in that.
0: I like it, mate. So, so yeah, so my point around uh, the housing thing is, I think we need we need more affordable housing. We need housing. Sorry, we need housing to be more affordable. Sorry, no, I mean I don't mean affordable housing is in social housing. I would do that too, um, but we need housing to be more affordable as a proportion of income, and we need. So that, that's that's the first thing. Um, I don't think we need necessarily falls. I don't think falls would actually be good for the economy. I don't have any interest in protecting the homeowners or the investors at all. But the reality of the economy is I wouldn't punish homeowners or investors, I punish in air quotes, and, and in doing so punish the tens of thousands of people who might lose their jobs. So I just, you know, I would just simply avoid that. I, do, the, do the investors deserve it? No. Uh, but the people who otherwise be put out of jobs deserve it even less and I just wouldn't do it. So I would I would do that. I would actually use, to your point, I would use APRA rules. I floated the idea. I think I talked about it last week on the podcast, but- I, I'm increasingly of the idea that APRA's buffer rules that, that they use should actually be variable and they actually should work counter-cyclically to interest rates. So rates go down, that makes money cheaper and it pushes asset prices up. Were APRA to actually increase the buffer as the rates fell, that means that you could your, your loan would be cheaper but you couldn't borrow more, or at least as much more. So yeah. imagine a scenario where rates went from, let's call let's talk about the consumer rate, goes from five percent to two and a half percent over the last cycle, right? That's great, because it means that that you know, all borrowing, businesses and consumers cost half as much. There's more money in the economy. Or well, there should have been. Except what happened was it got to capitalise our asset prices. So we, we bought houses that were twice as expensive and paid exactly the same interest. So nothing was actually achieved by the RBA lowering rates other than pushing asset prices up. In an environment where APRA had said, this is the the banking regulator, had said, you know what, the buffer is 2% at when rates are at 5%. we are going to push the buffer up to 3.5% when rates go to 2.5%. So mm. not the whole lot because, you know, there's no, you know, don't need to be absolute about it. But what that would actually do is it would mean that loans get cheaper, but housing doesn't go up anywhere near as fast because the banks are using a stricter rule to work out how much you, they can lend you. And so that would have put a cap on asset prices. Similarly, by the way, as rates go up, you wind the buffer back so that you don't you don't kill house prices in the same way or asset prices in general in the same way, whatever borrowing, and, and same for business loans and everything else. But I reckon, I, yeah, I, I'm increasingly of the view, I came up with a couple of weeks ago, I'm increasingly of the view that that would have actually been a smart thing to do. Now, Porsche's bolted well and truly, but moving forward, if they were to apply a counter-cyclical buffer I think that would make a massive, massive difference and would have avoided a whole lot of pain to come because it would have avoided the asset price inflation over the last five or six years. Mm. So I would do that. Uh, I would – negative gearing I struggle with, Ram, and the reason I struggle with it is because the concept of negative gearing is what every company does all the time in every part of its business. If I'm Woolworths and I lose money in store one, two, three, and I make a profit in store four, five, six, I get to offset those together and pay tax on the difference. When you And now, that's business? People say, yeah, that's business. Okay, so let's make it a homeowner. If I'm an investor in property, I'm not, but if I was, and I said, I'm going to go to my account and say, mate, can you set me up, please, Phillips Incorporated, and then I'm going to borrow against the house. It's a very, very I mean, it's a slippery slope because what I worry about is it basically means that investment properties will only be available for the rich and famous and the powerful. They still do it, but they have a lot each and there would be fewer of them. And the rest of us wouldn't have the opportunity to invest in that asset class. So I think a, a, as a rule, as easy to say, just to stop it. And I agree with you but I don't know how you do. I think what I would actually do is in that context, rather than limit negative gearing per se, I would simply remove housing, residential property from the category of things you can claim a tax deduction for, whether mm. you're a company or not. So yeah, it's, like the same, it's, it's the same yeah. thing you're saying. Yeah. It's just you, We've got to be really careful because the, con- the accountants are great at this and I don't blame them because they're working within the law. That's their obligation to their client. But um, you've got to be a little bit careful we don't end up screwing with the rules. I would also, by the way, so I think negative gearing is the biggest one. I think I am, I am absolutely certain. Other people disagree with me and that's fine. As you said, I'm probably wrong. I'm absolutely certain that most most investment properties, uh, most property investments start with, hey, Mrs. Accountant, how can I save money on my tax? Mm-hmm. Oh, you can borrow and buy a house. Oh, okay, I will. I don't think many people borrow, borrow to buy a house and then all of a sudden realize there's a tax deduction. You know, mm-hmm. so, a surprise, it's part of the idea. And I don't blame, you know, well, I do blame people going to the accountant asking how they can save money on tax because they're missing the point. You should be maximizing your after-tax returns, not trying to save money on tax. But mm. I th- I'm, I'm, I'm a million percent sure that's how 90% of it starts. So take it away. And, and grandfather the old stuff, as you say, because, you know, it's it's that's it's just electorally necessary anyway. Um, so just do it outright. Done. Okay, cool. You, you lock invest residential property out of the ability to claim a deduction for, no matter whether you're a company, an individual, no matter what you do, it just simply comes out. You can't, you can't claim a deduction for it anymore. Uh, and that would solve a lot of that problem. Uh, I think that's the major one. I'd also change capital gains tax rules back to the indexation that we used to have. Mm. Um, that would hurt me in some way, investments, and help me in some way others. Half, you know, getting a fifty percent capital gain gains tax taxation because you hold a stock for three hundred sixty-six days rather than three hundred sixty-four days—that's mm. stupid. It, 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 honestly, policy-wise, it's, there was no, there was no that one day, two day difference. The tax bill halves what because, like, what we made it around the sun, cross the finish line, really. Now I get the idea of indexation. The idea of indexation was to basically mean you're not paying tax on inflation. That was the whole idea of it. Mm. And if I, but if I hold an asset for, let's say, 80 years, just for the sheer fun of it, right? Let's so say I got one on my birth, when I was born, I sell on my 80th birthday. Uh, inflation would have gone up a lot more than the 50% deduction by then. So actually, better off anyway. Long, if we we're trying to incentivize long-term investing, indexation does that beautifully. Yeah, I like that. But giving someone a 50% deduction just because it's around 66 days, and then by the way, no difference if it's then. Three thousand and sixty-six days mm. makes zero sense. So I, I would do that as well. Um, I don't think it would have a huge impact on the housing market. Quite honestly, because I don't really think many people are investing for the capital gains tax discount. The negative gearing for sure. Mm. Capital gains tax discount. I'm not entirely sure that's that's true. I would invest more in social housing. Ram, to your point, um, I think that makes a whole lot of sense, and it would it would change the supply demand dynamic. Um, I actually, this is controversial. I would actually restrict immigration, not from a um, there's no, there's no race, you know, race baiting or dog or anything of like that. I just think the population is probably growing too quickly for the capacity of our land to support. I just, I think, from an environmental, from a social perspective, the urban sprawl, the number of uh, farms that are being chopped up for housing, the, the McMansion kind of houses that are being built. Um, I just don't, I don't actually think we do ourselves any favour. The suburbs are sprawling further, travel times are getting bigger, all that kind of crap, all that sort of stuff. I would just limit the population growth personally mm. um, and I would do it through through limiting immigration. It's not going to have a dramatic, sudden impact, um, but what it would do is it would limit the pressure on supply uh, and we'd have to have fewer new houses because the population will grow more slowly. Um, it so also impact a, the economy. I mean, immigration is great for the economy, right? Generally speaking, yeah. The, the, the jury's a little bit out on that. I've seen different numbers on that one. Uh, generally, some of the immigration is good, but again, when we say the economy, we talk about the economy as a, as a whole rather mm. than per capita. So, mm. hey, the economy grew 2%. Well, if the population grows 3%, then we all got a little bit less of it. Mm. So there is some of that. Like, And that's the problem. Is the the, the the line is, the economy grows if people come in. Well, of course it does. It's like, you know, um, <laughs> you know, um, our family got bigger because we had someone born. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the point, right? Mm. Um, so yes, it does. It is good for the economy. I don't think immigration is bad for the economy. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I do think it's probably bad for the environment. I think it's probably bad for housing supply and it makes us sprawl um, or build high density. I don't. I, I think let people live where they want to live. Just have fewer of us, so we get uh, well—not fewer of us, a, a smaller growth. So we have more choice. There's some there's some individual thoughts. Adam, I'm not sure how you feel about that. I assume most of our listeners will either hate half of mine, love half of yours, hate half of yours, love half of mine, uh, or hate them both and love something else. But that's what I would do if it was up to me.
1: Yeah, I think I think the bottom line is is that whatever suggestions <laughs> we're going to throw into the ring here, I just there's a lot there's a lot more smarts we can appro- apply to this very pernicious mm. problem. Mm-hmm. Than what either of the major parties. Oh, that was just that. Yeah. That even gets beyond sort of like theory because we've done that. We've tried. I mean, yes. the definition of insanity to do the same thing <laughs> again and again right. and expect a different result. Like yeah. stop, yeah. stop doing what you do. And I think that's. I'm really stand strongly behind that. We can we can debate the better way forward, but yes. but I still stand strongly by that. And the one final point I would make on it: the, mm. the reason why I think it's right. To separate property, residential mm-hmm. property, from other asset classes, is it's it is different because it is yep. shelter it's for shopping. people, yep. for families. Okay. You know, if you invest in a debenture or a term deposit or a bond or a stock mm-hmm. or anything like that, I mean, there's there's you're not you're not impacting the life of a family. It's different. Right. It's it's qualitatively different. Mm-hmm. Commercial property, fill your boots. Industrial property, go nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, when someone's when someone's um, the, the ability to stay warm and dry uh, mm. is is being impacted. That's that's when you it, it deserves to be treated
0: differently. I, I would yeah. argue. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Mate, we've used up all of our time. I hope that's uh, giving you a a reasonable answer, Adam. Uh, We don't claim to be experts necessarily. If it wasn't reasonable, it was
1: thorough. Put it that way.
0: (laughs) Exactly. We banged on for a long time. Actually, one really quick one, Ram. Uh, One thing I do like about some of the government kind of approach, I'm not sure they have nailed the solution yet, but I want to say the government, I guess I meant the last government. Um, I think the deposit hurdle is unnecessarily high and I think that's also artificially keeping people out of the property market for reasons that- Stop saying the property market and say,
1: kept them out of a home.
0: Get them out of a home.
1: I hate, I hate the property ladder and people buying. No, you're buying a house. You're buying a home. <laughs> the market.
0: Small, small um, point. Sorry, it just gets me. Right. Uh, I will say that now want to put shares. I'm going to buy some Woolworths homes as well because I'm not going to buy them on the share. Market. I'm not going to buy the Woolworths home. Thing. <laughs> all right, uh, market is off the roof. Um, I, I think it's. I think you know when you've got to when you got to save ten percent, even if you can afford the repayments. When you've got to save. Uh, 10% or 20% or 5%, whatever the numbers are, of a, of a higher valued asset. Even The repayments don't change. So affordability hasn't changed markedly in 10 years, 15 years. But the ability to save for a deposit has changed dramatically because that's not a proportional change. 10% of a higher price is just 10% of a higher price. If you're paying a lower interest rate, your repayments might have come down, but the hurdle gets higher and higher and higher and takes longer and longer to save as prices go up. And I think that's. I just don't think it's. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's useful. Uh, I think net net. You know, is there some value of having e- positive equity in a house? Of course, there is. Is it is it actually improving access to housing? No. Is it reducing access to housing? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's very hard to get into the property market or on the property ladder, Andrew, with that, with that sort of. <laughs>
1: Well, to, you, to, your, to your point, I would even say with the share market. I'm, I'm not on. in the market. I'm, I'm an owner of a business, you know. It's a small
0: small point. But. Um, I'll pick you up on that next week. Um, all right. I think we've done more than enough. Uh, thanks for some great questions, guys. If you want to get in touch with us, please do. Uh, I haven't used this uh, today. I didn't use it on Friday either, but let you know if you – if you hate what we said and you want to bag us out, come and join us on socials. If you love what we said, come and join us on the socials. If you were non-committal, come and join us on the socials. Mm-hmm. You can follow Andrew. Let's go Twitter first. At Sage underscore Simeon is Andrew's Twitter handle. Apparently, it means wise monkey, and make of that what you will. Uh, we uh, you can also uh, follow at Strawman Invest for the Strawman Twitter account. While we're on Twitter, I'm also on Twitter and Insta under the same handles. It's at TMF Scott P. The Motley Fool is at the Motley Fool Are you on both of those. You can get us on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com slash Scott Phillips Money, or Facebook.com slash The Motley Fool Australia. And if you want to send us an email with some of your questions, particularly long questions if it's just easier. Info, info at fool.com.au. Tell them it's a podcast question and they will flick it on to us, and we will do our level best to address it for you one Sunday in the near future. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. All that's left to say is join the property market and fool on. <laughs>